Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Ready to Give an Answer sermon series, which talks about how to defend our faith and why we should believe what we believe. It is our hope that this series would help you in your walk with God. Please let us know how God has impacted you through these messages. Well, 1 Peter chapter 3, and uh, we're going to uh, start a new series tonight called Ready to Give an Answer, and I think it will be a, a help to us. Um, but before we start, just want to ask you, have you, ever been had, have you ever had a time in your life when you were speechless? You probably have. I can think of times, maybe you have a time when uh, somebody said something to you that was just completely unexpected. Maybe it was rude. Maybe it was uh, a reprimand of some sort. I can recall uh, one time we were sitting in a staff meeting when I was uh, a youth pastor and working for my dad there in Lakewood and uh, sitting in a staff meeting with the staff of the church. I think at the time there was maybe five of us in the room and um, my dad had asked a question. He had said, well, does anybody have anything? And at that point, two of the staff members turned to me and just began reaming me. Like they just began telling me up one side and down the other what I was doing wrong. And, you know, I'd been in, we'd been in ministry for maybe a year or something like that. And I remember like looking and I, my dad probably felt it because I kind of looked at him and he just said, well, guys, we'll, we'll, we'll address that. Let's, let's just get back on task. And man, I, I didn't even know what to say. I, I, sorry, I'm an idiot. You know, that's kind of was my response. Uh, man, you probably have times in your life you're speechless. Someone says something rude to you. How about uh, maybe times when you're, uh, you're speechless because of a surprise that you got? You ever had that happen? I've showed this before, but I don't have the picture right now. Uh, years ago, we flew my sister up, Dina. We flew her in for, I think, my parents' uh, 40th wedding anniversary or something like that. And we flew my sister in and surprised my parents and I'll never forget, I have the picture, I'll never forget the look on my mom's face when Dina walked in the room. She just was, and we got a perfect picture. And for about a minute, she just, was, she, she had no idea what to say. Man, completely speechless. You've been there. Maybe it was a time when you received a question from one of your kids and you have no idea what to say. Maybe a question from a coworker. Man, there's been times in our lives when every one of us, we've had something happen that it left us speechless. Well, if you've been saved for any length of time, if you've known Christ for any length of time, there has probably been a time when somebody asked you a Bible question that left you speechless a question that you really just did not know how to answer. Questions like, can I ask you this? Why do good things happen to bad people? And why do bad things happen to good people? Someone asks you that. I've been asked that before and I go, oh, you have to think about it and don't know what to say. Maybe the question someone might ask who's, who's religious, they would say, well, can I ask you this? What does the Bible say about praying to Mary? What do you say? Someone says, how do you know that heaven is real? Or how can I earn a place with God? Or is Jesus and the devil, are they brothers? And can you show me why they're not brothers or why they are? Can you show me that? 
Man, if we're asked questions like that, do we know what to say? The next few weeks, for five weeks, this week and then four more, we're going to spend some time diving into this idea about being ready to give an answer. Times that people may ask us questions that we don't know the answer to, hopefully in the next few weeks we can learn some answers to them. And then times when we know we're supposed to speak to somebody about the Lord, but perhaps we just don't know, I don't know how to start the conversation, I don't know what to say. We're gonna learn over the course of the next few weeks what we do in those situations. And I'm excited about it, a series about learning to uh, witness or tell religious people about the Lord. Many of you have friends that are Mormons or perhaps Jehovah's Witnesses or maybe even Catholics uh, or some folks that are unaffiliated with any religion over the next Next four weeks, we're going to learn about witnessing to all of those people groups and getting in the word of God and figuring out, okay, I want to be ready to give an answer. So in order to be ready to give an answer, I've got to study to show myself approved, show myself approved. And uh, we need to remember though tonight that we're given in scripture, uh, not only the instruction to study, to answer questions, but we're given in, in scripture the opportunity and the instruction really to not only wait for questions to be asked, but also to be on the offensive in going out for souls for Christ. What I mean by that is we're told in the word of God that you and I are supposed to be concerned about telling others about Jesus Christ. How about some of these verses? Think about this. Matthew chapter 28 Jesus said, go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. Man, it was something we're supposed to do. John chapter 15, uh, we are uh, made that we should bear fruit and that our fruit should remain. And that word fruit uh, used many times in scripture, meaning souls, that you should bear other people that come to know Jesus Christ as their savior. John chapter 20, Jesus said, even as my father has sent me, so send I you, given to his disciples. First Thessalonians uh, chapter number... Um, Two, I believe, Paul said that we are put in trust with the gospel. I can think about Romans chapter 10. The Bible tells us that the whole world needs Christ, but how shall they hear without a preacher? So really all throughout the word of God, the Bible tells us, the word, it, it gives us instruction that we are to be adamant about reaching people for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you know what? There's times when we need to study the word to know what to say, but there's also times we need to be prepared with what to say for when God presents the opportunity uh, for us to talk to somebody. Maybe you've been in that, that type of a speechlessness when you know God is telling you, talk to this coworker about the Lord and and you just think, I don't know what to say. I wanna help us with this tonight, but to start off with it in the next few weeks, I wanna help us with it in the next few weeks, but to start off with it tonight, we're gonna be in 1 Peter 3. So stand with me, if you will, 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're just gonna read three verses in 1 Peter 3, and we'll get into our, our message for the night. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 15, Peter writes this, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil doing. An interesting passage tonight when you look in 1 Peter chapter 3, but I want you to notice the very first few words of verse number 15, where Peter writes this, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts 
and be ready always to give an answer. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer. What we're gonna be studying out this week and the next five, four weeks is something that isn't new. It is something that Peter wanted his people to know. He wanted believers to know back then. It is something that Jesus wanted his followers to know is I'm gonna give you instruction on how to answer people when you're asked about Jesus and even when you're not asked, what are the words that you can say? And so tonight let's pray and then we'll get into the message. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let's just take a moment and commit the time to the Lord and ask him to speak to us, ask him to help us. And maybe tonight you would just ask the Lord to show you some principles that you might need to help you be better at giving answers for what you believe. Lord, thank you again for the day. And I just thank you for your word and thank you for the help uh, that it is to me. I wanna thank you for speaking to my heart today. And uh, Lord, I wanna pray that you would um, just help us tonight as we get into your word. I pray, Father, that we would uh, just be able to understand it. Pray that you give me clarity of thought and direction. Uh, Lord, I do humble myself before you and realize that the only answers I can give, the only uh, message I can give is what you uh, put on my mind and my heart through your spirit and what's given in your word. And so I pray that you would speak to us tonight, help us to be uh, um, listening to you and then be responsive to you. And Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in these next few moments. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. <coughs> As you come to first, uh, the, the book of 1 Peter, something that is kind of a theme throughout the book, book of Peter, as the book of 1 Peter, is our first point tonight, and that's this, that suffering is going to happen. Suffering is going to happen. And the word suffering has to do with trials and testings. Trials and testings are going to happen. As you come to 1 Peter, we need to know a few things about his letter and understand that the book of Peter is really about understanding suffering, understanding tests, and understanding trials. You can go right to the very beginning of 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse number 1, you read this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. This just lists out for us who Peter is writing to. When you look at the word strangers, the word strangers scattered abroad, it means those scattered through the diaspora or through the disbursement that took place. There would be multiple times that um, Rome would come in and Rome would just simply take Jews and also uh, after Christ's time, they would take Jews and Christians and they would just uproot them from wherever they were and they would take them somewhere else and put them there. And so this had happened multiple times. This is who Peter is writing to. Now, if you were here last week, we studied a little bit about the book of James, and we studied a little bit about what James wrote when he said to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. We need to understand that during the time of the authors pinning the words of the New Testament, it was a great, great time of uh, horrible persecution. Very many struggles and, and, and tons of trials and testing 
And so as Peter is writing to, the, writing to these believers, uh, I can almost kind of imagine him thinking about specific trials that are going on in people's life. I can think him maybe thinking, uh, I can see him thinking maybe about specific family that has been uprooted from there in Jerusalem that he remembers watching the, the Romans come in and, and just literally manhandle this family out of their house and then that house go to another. Or maybe he can remember being in a service when uh, uh, the Pharisees would come in and begin to try to uh, just kind of persecute and push people out of the service, so to speak. Uh, you can look and, and really kind of, if we, if we had time tonight to read all five chapters of First Peter, we would understand he is writing to people that are just suffering. These people have been scattered abroad. Another verse that helps us know, just go over a few verses to 1 Peter chapter one and verse number seven. You read these words. Peter says this, that the trial of your faith, not on the screen, just in your Bible, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This is Peter trying to summarize, here's why I'm writing to you. I'm writing to you to establish you that the trial of, so that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, might be found in the praise and honor at the appearance. Man, I wanna help you grow through your trial, through your testing, through your suffering, whatever it may be, I wanna help you in this. As Peter writes about suffering, he begins to hit on the suffering that comes, not only just general trials, but he writes in 1 Peter chapter two, turn there, he writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 20, he begins to write about, or excuse me, up, up till verse chapter 2, verse 20, he begins to write about the suffering that comes along with just being a believer. Hey, even being a believer, you're going to have just trials. Just because you believe in Jesus, you're going to have trials. When he gets to verse number 20, he turns it to an example of someone who suffered. And notice who he turns to. Verse 20, for what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall uh, take it patiently, but if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Verse 21, for even hereunto were ye called. Hey, we're called to suffering because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins on his body. And he begins to recount Jesus dying on the cross and putting, his sin on, putting our sin on him. And he uses Jesus as an example of this suffering. Hey, there's a lot of trials going on. Hey, there's a lot of suffering going on. But you need to remember that Jesus suffered. But I want you to notice what he says about when Jesus suffers. He says, when he reviled, he reviled not again. That reviling has to do with verbal persecution. When he was reviled, when he was verbally persecuted, he didn't give out verbal persecution. But what did he do? Well, he just turned it over to the Lord. He just turned, it, turned that trial over to the Lord, asking God for wisdom. Wasn't it Jesus in the garden that said, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done? Jesus just turning that trial over to the Lord. All right, we're going somewhere with this, so stay with me. When you look at this, Peter writing about these trials, writing about Jesus, 
He writes in 1 Peter chapter 3, it's a famous portion of scripture for couples, because he even writes about mistreatment or trials within the home. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, I'm not going to read it, but he simply writes about couples that are going through situations where one is a believer and one is not. One believes in the Lord and one doesn't believe in the Lord. He says, hey, you that believe in the Lord have a correct lifestyle. Let your lifestyle answer for what you believe. As you get to verse number eight, down through verse number 14, Peter begins to uh, kind of give some challenges just about any kind of suffering and how to go through that. And then as you go to the last half of chapter three, all the way through the end of the book, Peter writes about some more examples of suffering and then just encourages the believer to stay faithful and kind of a summary of the first part is 1 Peter 1, 7. A summary of the last part of the book is 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13, where Peter says this, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice in as much as you're partakers of Christ's suffering that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may uh, be uh, glad also with exceeding joy. I bring all of these points up and this thought about the, the direction of the book of, of Peter because it's gonna help us understand our text for tonight. As Peter writes to these believers, he just really wants them and you and I to understand that trials are just part of life. Suffering, it, it happens. And you can expect suffering in your life but one thing that Peter does is in the middle of chapter number three, he begins talking about the suffering that comes because of people who do not believe like you believe. He begins to write about the suffering that comes because of not outright opposition, but just people who don't believe like you. Notice what he says. Verse number Go to verse number 10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Notice verse 13. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Peter's saying, hey, you're gonna be going through trials in life, and there may even come times when somebody opposes what you believe. So with that, what does he say to do? Well, that's our second point. He says, so, and because of this, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Hey, sanctify, verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Hey, they may oppose you, but you need to remember, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. This word, or this phrase, sanctify the Lord in your heart, it means to set apart, or excuse me, to set your heart apart for God. Set your heart apart for God. This just carries with it the idea of simply being closer 
to God. Hey, you as a believer, you're gonna go through trials, but you are responsible to be close to God. Even though trials happen, even though situations happen, even though uh, persecution comes, even though opposition may come your way, you and I are responsible for ourselves to be close to God. Peter, again, speaking to them and saying, hey, in the midst of trials, you need to still be close to God. As I said a second ago, uh, well, actually, I didn't say this. I skipped right over it. But let me tell you this, that if you were to ask Peter, all right, Peter, I'm supposed to go through trials. And Peter, you tell me that even in trials, I can be ready to give an answer. How do I do it? Well, the answer that Peter gives us is really an answer that we would give to just about every aspect of the Christian life. The answer is be close to God. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, being close to God is the answer for every situation I face. James said it like this, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Can I tell you this evening that our relationship with the Lord truly affects every single area of our lives. But I wanna put this thought in the context of tonight's topic of knowing how to answer every man. <clears throat> when you and I go through trials, often those are the times that we find ourselves speechless. When we go through situations that we do not know what to say or how to say it. As Peter writes, he's helping these people understand that time comes. There are times when you are faced with opposition and all of these trials, these sufferings. But during that time, you can sanctify the Lord God in your heart because when you sanctify the Lord God in your heart, you're ready to give an answer. Because when you are close to the Lord, God helps you give the answers that he would give. Look at your example, Jesus, he reviled. He was reviled, yet he reviled not again. He was persecuted and beaten, but he didn't lash back out at them. Let me give you this thought, this illustration. When you think about um, being close to somebody, it's important that I'm close to somebody, that I'm close to people, because the people I'm close to will be the, the folks that I speak about. Give you this illustration, this thought. Uh, Hannah and I, you're more likely to hear me talk good about my wife than you are about some sports athlete. Why? Because I'm close to my wife. Because I appreciate her presence. Because I enjoy her. I'm gonna talk to you more. I'm gonna be able to bring up more things about my wife. And the closer you are to a person the more good you'll talk about them. But isn't it true, the closer you are to, the per to a person, if they hurt you, the more bad you could talk about them? You ever think about this, that when you and I go through a rough patch in a relationship, whether that be a friendship, a marriage, a parent-child relationship, if those that are close to you hurt you, often you'll talk negatively about them, won't you? And here's the thought. I'm thankful that I never 
have to fear the Lord hurting me. So the closer I get to him, I can know he's never going to disappoint me. My, my relationship with him is never going to leave me speechless. My relationship with God is never going to cause me to want to speak ill of my God. But it all hinges on my relationship. You see, everything in the Christian life hinges on my relationship with the Lord. It all is about my relationship. If I am not walking with the Lord, man, areas of my life, and we've said it before, but if, if God's not involved, you take God out of anything and everything falls apart. If I'm, not, if I'm not close to the Lord, it's just, man, I'm never gonna be able to be the witness or be the responder if I'm not close to the Lord. So here's what Peter's doing. Hey, listen, sufferings and trials are coming. You need to be close to the Lord because when you are close to the Lord, you'll be ready to give an answer. You see, when I'm close to the Lord, I'll be ready to speak to people about the Lord. When Christ is the Lord of my heart, instead of me ex experiencing fear when I face trials, I in turn face them with rejoicing. Not rejoicing for the trial, but rejoicing because I know my God is in control of a trial. Instead of facing a trial or uh, facing attacks from the enemy or facing those who oppose me with fear and with intimidation and speechlessness, no, now I can face them with calm. I can face them with the reassurance that I know that my God is completely in control. So do you see what, Paul, what, what Peter's doing? Hey, you, you need to know trials are coming, but you can be sanctified to the Lord. You can be close to the Lord, even through trials. One man said this, one evidence that Jesus, and this will connect us to the next thought, one evidence that Jesus Christ is Lord in our lives is the readiness with which we witness to others about him and seek to win others to him. This is the connecting thought. So if you're close to the Lord, you'll be more likely to know what to say and how to say it. So even at times of suffering, if you're close to the Lord, you're gonna be able to, this third point, speak with confidence about your hope. You're gonna be able to speak with confidence about your hope. When you look at what Peter is writing, and he's writing about trials, he's writing about suffering, but then he says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. After I sanctify the Lord God, notice what it says, and be ready to give an answer, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, when I am close to the Lord, it is going to encourage me and help me to be more confident in speaking about the Lord. Our English word for the word uh, apology, it comes from the Greek word that's translated answer in our passage. So the word answer, we can use the word apology. But it's not apology like, hey, I'm sorry. Be ready to give an apology for what, I'm sorry for what I believe in. The word apology, you get the word, uh, the, in, the, in theology, the study of the Bible, you get the word apologetics. And the word apologetics, it means this, a, de a defense presented in court. So Peter is writing and saying, hey, you need to be ready to give a court defense for why you believe what you believe. 
You need to be ready to give a court defense for the hope, the reason for the hope that is in you. Now, you think about that. If you and I are called, if we were called before a court today, and I know the question's been asked, and I'm not trying to just repeat something that's been said before, but if you were called into court, could you be your own lawyer for defending the faith? Yeah, there's some in here, they'd say, yeah, I could, I could do it. Yep, I could do it. How many of you know a lawyer? You know a lawyer. How many of you know a good lawyer? Not because I need one, but just, just, just wondering. I know some lawyers, and I, I know I, I was witnessing to a lawyer uh, this last year. He prayed for him, not saved yet, but witnessing to a lawyer this last year, and he knows his need for the Lord. And in witnessing to this lawyer, man, I was nervous. And the reason I was nervous is because most lawyers, they're pretty smart. Now, some of them are smart in weird ways, but they're smart, they're intelligent. And I remember sitting in, uh, over lunch witnessing to this lawyer and our conversation lasted about three hours. And the reason it lasted about three hours was because he was pulling out every question you could possibly imagine a lawyer would ask. Well, how do you know that's true? Well, what's your defense for that? Well, what's your proof for that? Well, what's your thought about that? Well, what's your, and I mean, about everything, he would ask the question. Man, he was just trying to get to the bottom of it. So I don't know about you, but if I was called into court, could I defend myself? Probably. But do I want to defend myself? The answer is not by myself. And here's where I'm going. I'd much rather the Lord do it. I'd much rather the Lord stand in for, my, for me. Well, how could the Lord stand in for me? I gotta be close to him. I gotta be close to him if I'm gonna get answers from him. And here's what Peter is helping us understand that, hey, you've gotta be ready to give an answer like you were in court, but the only way that's gonna happen is if you sanctify the Lord in your heart, is if you're close to the Lord. One man said this, talking about uh, uh, giving answers in court. He said, we are witnesses, not prosecuting attorneys. Something to remember about talking to people about the Lord. Man, I need to be, re I need to be able to give my defense for what I believe, but I need to remember I'm a witness, not a prosecuting attorney. I'm the one who's supposed to be doing it with the right type of spirit. And that's what Peter addresses next. Notice what he says. He says, you'd be able to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Meekness and fear. You know what? The purpose of telling somebody of the reason, uh, telling somebody the reason for the hope that's within me of giving my court answer, the purpose is not to win an argument, but it's to win lost souls. Now, I'm bringing all of this up with this series in mind as we go and we begin to learn about witnessing to Jehovah's Witnesses or to Catholics or to Mormons or to those who are of, <coughs> excuse me, no religious affiliation. We need to understand that the whole idea is not to win an argument, it's to win people to Christ. And it may take time, but I cannot win people to the Lord effectively if I'm not close to the Lord. Could somebody get saved because of my life if I'm not close to the Lord? Yes. 
but I'm not going to really be effective if I'm not close to him. And when I'm close to him, he helps me answer with meekness and fear. What are these phrases, meekness and fear? <clears throat> Excuse me, you can go to this last part, the word meekness has to do with having a gentle spirit. We talked about this on Sunday night. Man, having a gentle spirit uh, when someone speaks to me. Now, of course, a Christian should have this in every area of our life, but especially in the area of talking to people about the Lord. I need to make sure that I'm doing it with a gentle spirit. This is being able to speak gently, even when approached roughly. This is in this meekness in this context is being able to speak with humility. So it's humility shown in word and in action. <clears throat> I've had times in my life, and I've said this before, I mentioned it a little bit on Sunday night uh, as we covered some verses about witnessing, or covered some verses about meekness. I know I've had times in my life, and maybe you have too, when someone, they asked you a Bible question and they asked it sarcastically. Because they're like, oh, I'm gonna really get them with this one, you know? And they, and they kind of, they pull out their best ammo and they fire it at you and you knew the answer. And you know what? When that happens, someone asks you a question sarcastically, smart aleck. You know, I've had people ask me at the, at the door. They're just like, yeah, from a church, yeah, you know, oh, that's sort of crutch. And they're, they're kind of bagging you for a little bit. And then they ask you the question that you know the answer to. Okay, well, you and I, are we right then, we have an opportunity. I can respond with a gentle spirit by, you know what? Let me, let me answer that for you. And let's, let's take the Bible and, and I can get into a gentle answer or I could give them the truth and a piece of my mind. Have you ever done that? I have. Man, I just, oh, you just, you just well, yeah, you wanna be sarcastic and smarter like to me? Yeah, buddy, well, I've got an answer. It's gonna put you in your place. That's not answering with meekness. That's not answering with a gentle spirit. When I'm close to the Lord, God's gonna help me answer with meekness. But we need to also know that God's gonna help us, and I'm missing this, uh, he's gonna help us answer with fear. Now, the word fear is interesting in this passage. <coughs> the word fear, it simply means reverence or respect. Reverence or respect. This is answering people with respect. Here's a thought. You may have truth, but if, you're, if you are disrespectful with giving that truth, it will be unheard and unnoticed. Your truth is irrelevant. Why? Because I didn't speak it respectfully. As we learn the next three weeks, specifically about learning to, about witnessing to different religious groups, one of the best things we need to know when you witness to somebody who has a religious background is you and I, we've got to be respectful of their religion. Now, I'm not going to say, oh, well, that's okay that you believe that way. Oh, all roads lead to heaven. I'm not gonna say something that's unbiblical. I'm gonna say things respectful. That's what, that's what Peter's getting at. This is respecting people. You know what? Witnessing and respecting people has to do with not forcing myself into their life. I've had it happen before, and these are just a, a few thoughts about witnessing with respect. 
where I'll be out door knocking. And I'll knock on a door and someone will answer the door. Hey, I'm Dennis from Moses Lake Baptist Church. I just want to invite you to our church and talk with you about some things. And can I ask you a couple questions, you know, or however I'm approaching that door. I've had people before, they say, you know what? I'm busy. No, thank you. I have a choice. I can be respectful and say, well, you know what? That's totally fine. But on the back of what I'm giving you is just some verses from scripture. I'd love for you to take time and read them and leave it so that the next person coming along or the coworker can talk to him. I could do that. Or I can say, are you sure you don't have time? Right now would be good. I'm, I'm available. I'm here. Listen, I'm trying to share with you something that's going to help you go to heaven and not hell. You don't want this? Now, is that all true? Yes. But it wasn't done with fear. It wasn't done with respect. Man, I think about having this fear <clears throat> when you're out and about. <laughs> you ever been maybe talking with somebody at a restaurant and they all of a sudden become the loudest voice in the restaurant. I'm not talking about my grandpa. Okay, my grandpa, you know what he'd do? This is, this is back in the uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. My grandfather, when he was alive, Dr. Brown, he would get in a restaurant, and it'd be a restaurant like, you know, uh, uh, Michael's or something like that, and he'd stand up and say, all right, we're gonna pray for dinner. Y'all can pray with us, or you don't have to. Lord, I want to thank He'd just stand up and pray. All right, I'm not talking about that. Now, I would recommend probably in our day and age that may not be the best approach to praying for your meal. But um, I'm talking about people that as you're talking with them, their conversation just begins. It starts here. You know, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. It starts here. But as you talk, their conversation begins to get louder and louder and louder. And they're not mad. It's just they're talking so loud that everybody in the restaurant can hear them. Listen, I've been with Christians who are trying to witness to tell someone about the Lord and they're doing it in such a way that the whole restaurant can hear them. Well, aren't we supposed to just tell everybody? Yes, but we should be respectful in how we tell them. I'm not trying to overbear and overpower them. I'm trying to do it with fear, with meekness, this fear uh, this is not just simply, this is uh, simply just witnessing with a mind that says, I'm going to speak truth and I'm gonna speak it with complete respect to people around me. Not intimidation by people around me. Not that I'm afraid of them. That's not the fear it's talking about. It's talking about having that respect. You see, because I have truth and you and I, we have truth. But if it's not presented well, truth doesn't matter. Our answer is they have to be given with meekness and fear, not with arrogance and a know-it-all disrespectful attitude. But I want you to also notice with me as we wrap up tonight, two other simple characteristics that I believe we can see in the passage. Look at verse 16. <clears throat> Having a good conscience. So this is the same, continuing the same thought. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as, evil, as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your conversation in Christ. Now, the word conversation in Christ means your lifestyle or your walk in Christ. And so uh, in the context, Peter is simply saying this, hey, listen, when you speak to people, 
You need to speak in such a way that you're, or you need to, verse 16 is you need to live in such a way that your speech, your life and your speech, they match each other, okay? But I want us to look at it from a different light very quickly and see these two other characteristics that I believe that are in verse number 16. When Peter says, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you of the evildoers, they may be ashamed and they falsely accuse you. I think Peter is helping us understand, hey, you need to be able to know. You need to be able to know. After you've given your answer, you need to be able to know that you have answered exactly how God wanted you to answer. That you've lived your life in such a way that they can't accuse you, but that you've given answers in such a way that it's pleasing to God. Okay, well, what are those two characteristics then that would help us? And this is all principles, and again, we'll get into them through the next few weeks. Number one is grace, and number two is love. Speaking the truth with grace and with love. Responding, this is simply giving truth. Grace is simply giving truth in a gracious way, a way that not only shows respect, like we just talked about, but also Grace is defined as speaking that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, and loveliness. This is speaking the truth with words that are going to encourage, strengthen, help, and offer pleasure to the hearer. So I'm not speaking words of harshness. My approach, listen, my approach in witnessing can be an approach of grace. An ungraceful approach, hey, did you know you're gonna die and go to hell? Saying, is that truth? Yes, ungraceful approach. Graceful approach. Hey, do you realize that when we die, we're gonna spend eternity somewhere? The Bible says heaven or hell. And what did I do? All I did was change the question up and change the inflections of my voice up so that it's not harsh so that it's direct, it's clear, but it's gracious. You know what? When I leave that conversation, if I answer by saying, you're going to hell, when I leave that conversation, I can leave saying, I answered them right. But I might not be able to leave that conversation with a clear conscience saying, I answered them the way God would want me to. I gotta answer with grace. And then that second one, I gotta answer with love. Love is speaking the truth with a heart for God and a heart for people, not just speaking the truth with a mindset that says, I'm right. Loving people. When I witness with meekness, fear, grace, and love, I'm being courteous, encouraging, humble, respectful, kind, not forceful, not domineering, speaking that truth, speaking to people how I believe God would want me to speak to them. But let me just tell you this, that how I speak to people is all a byproduct of my relationship with the Lord. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready to give an account. Man, if God's not close in your heart, if that relationship's not there, the answers are not gonna come. But when I'm close to the Lord, I will be able to speak for the Lord. I'll be more prepared to give an answer. I'll be more willing to put, be put into a situation where I need to give an answer. I'll be more willing to tell people about the Lord when I'm asked, even during my hard times, 
I will know what to say. As we look at these things for the next few weeks, uh, we start this series with this verse and this passage just because if we're not close to the Lord, knowing answers aren't gonna do us very much good. If I'm not close to him, knowing answers is really not gonna help me. And so tonight, I just wanna ask you, the question I'm gonna ask is uh, this, are you ready to give an answer? Well, yeah, I'm ready to answer. Well, if you're not close to the Lord, we're not ready to give an answer. And so the decision I want us to come to tonight as we look to this series is, God, help me. Help me to be close to you so that I can give an answer. I don't wanna just know the book answers. I wanna know the God of the book. I wanna know his answers. I wanna have his spirit because I wanna be able to look back with a good life, a good conscience, knowing I lived right before people and I answered the way the Lord wanted me to answer before people because you never know the effect God could have through you in witnessing to others. Let's pray and then we'll, uh, we'll be dismissed tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I wanna ask you just to make the decision, Lord, I wanna be ready to give an answer. I wanna spend time with you. I want you to be the first part of my life. Not just knowing the answers, but knowing the God of the answers. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.